Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen, amen. Good to see you all. Welcome. Welcome to those of us worshiping online. Glad to be with you today. Yeah, let me just reiterate what's, what Julie and Phil were saying. It's so important to be a part of a team, to be a part of the process of helping people come from the outside to the inside, and that's what our host team, children's ministry, and our creative teams all do. So great to see you today. Yes, Phil mentioned we're in a series on the family, and I know some of you are going to say, well, I'm not really in a family right now, but you probably were in a family, and you may be in a family, and you can certainly have influence over family. And today, we, um, our, our series is entitled, The Gospel-Shaped Family. And the reason we chose that title is because we're not here to just give you a bunch of rules and how-tos. This is what you must do. This is what your family must do. You must get up at this time. You must have devotions at this time. You must... We want to see the family through the lens of the gospel. And what that means is we want to look at our roles in family in light of the fact that Jesus sacrificed everything for us. You see, law is great, rules are great, but they don't really help you get to the heart of the matter, and they don't help you handle all the issues you have to handle in family life. So I want us to handle family life through the lens of the gospel, that Jesus Christ sacrificed everything for me, and I can now treat my family in the way Jesus treated me. So that's what we're all about uh, today, the The title of today's message is The Prodigal Parents. Now, you know there was prodigal son, we're going to talk about that, but I I want us to see this story in light of family life, especially in light of parenting, and what a prodigal looks like, and what our role is as parents, and what our role is as prodigals, and what God wants to do with that. And let me say at the very beginning that this is a hard topic for some of you, many of you. Because when you think of a child who's prodigal, who has gone away, who has done exactly the opposite of what you hoped they would do, it's very, very painful. It hurts. Every time you hear the story, it may hurt you again. You're like, ah, I don't want to hear that story because my prodigal is still down there feeding those pigs. I, I don't want to really go there again. I, stay with me. It's important that we see our family life through this story, and I think it's going to be encouraging. And I hope there'll maybe there'll be some perspective change as it, we look at what God wants to do through the prodigal. Now, if you're single, stay with me because you have influence. Um, you have influence over others. Uh, you have a role in this as well. So we're looking at Luke chapter 15. And if you're familiar with this chapter, you know that it contains three parables, which all have one point, which is the graciousness of God's pursuit of the lost. That's really the story of these three parables. And I love how Jesus uses parables, which are stories. It's it's a powerful um, way to, to get your point across. It stays with people. It moves people. It's why country music is so popular, right? It's all a story. 
That's why any, any song that tells a story really does well, even if it's not country, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, right? We all know how many people died in the Edmund Fitzgerald because of Gordon Lightfoot's song, or if you're a rock and roll fan, Bon Jovi's song, Living on a Prayer, huge, because it tells a story, right? Jesus tells a story, and he tells it in response to some religious leaders who are looking down on some people. The story begins, Luke chapter 15, verse 1, the Pharisees are like, Jesus is receiving all these sinners, and he's talking to people who are far from God, and these tax collectors, and tax collectors were people who were known to be in league with Rome who oppressed them, so they were hated. They were assumed to be far from God. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 2, it says, and the Pharisees and scribes, what did they do? They grumbled. They grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. How could he be a good person? How could he be someone we should listen to? How can he be a, a leader, religious leader and a great teacher if he receives and talks to and hangs out with and goes to lunch and goes to coffee with these people that are just obviously sinners? They're obviously rebellious. What is he doing? That's the message they're giving to Jesus. And so Jesus, instead of just explaining to them, he tells them three stories. And the first story is the story of the shepherd that had a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep wandered away. And so the shepherd just forgot about that sheep and went on with the 99. No, that's not what he did, was it? The shepherd goes and finds the one sheep. He leaves the 99, right? He's like, I can't just, I've got to go find that sheep. It's precious to me. I need to find it. I need to bring it back. Even though I already have a hundred sheep, I want one. I've got to go find that lost one. And it says in verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven when one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That's just hard for us to get, isn't it? Because wouldn't you just really rejoice with the sheep that stayed? But no, God says, I'm so excited. I want to find the one. And there's so much joy over this one that I've got to go find. And let me just stop. Just know this. If you repent today, there's incredible joy in heaven. You might have come in today and said, you know what? I, I'm not really that close to God. I feel like I'm distant from God. I, I don't know how to... Listen, maybe you're thinking, well, I've already repented before and I, I don't really know if God, listen, God is ready to have a party over you. He's ready to receive you. He's excited about you coming back. If that wasn't enough, Jesus tells another story about a woman who had 10 coins. She loses one. She tears the house upside down trying to find that one coin. And when she finds it, she rejoices. And Jesus says in verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, the whole context of the story of the prodigal son is that of the graciousness of our Father. The graciousness of God who longs for us to be found. Who longs for the prodigal to be brought back. And so then we move into the actual story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to get it out. Or have your device, turn it on. Um, turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then to emphasize this point, he tells this rather lengthy, but probably the best known parable of Jesus. He says this. 
He said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. That hurts a mom and a dad, doesn't it? You birthed this child. It literally came from your body. You raised this child. You fed this child. You, you doctored this child. You clothed this child. You took this child to Disneyland, Disney World. I don't know why you would do that, but you did. You took him to Disney, and you did all these things. You educated this child. You fed them. You gave them a good life. You cheered for them at their games, even when they were bad. Amen? Thank God for that, because a lot of us weren't that great. Uh, you did all these things, and you're thinking that when they grow up, they're going to live next door, and they're never going to leave you, and they're going to honor you your whole life, and now they've taken everything you've got, and they said, I don't even want to know you. I'm going to live absolutely the opposite of the way you raised me to live. That's what I'm all about. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. And that's how it feels as a parent sometimes. But it's important for us to get the players right and identify the pieces of this. Who is the prodigal son? Who is the older son? Who is the father? See, in the story, Jesus is using the prodigal son, the one who leaves. He is actually the sinners that Jesus is talking to. That's who the prodigal is. It's these sinners that are now actually interacting with Jesus and maybe have a chance of following him. That's what the prodigal is. The older son, we'll talk about a little bit later, the older son is describing the religious leaders of the day. These are the people who didn't really want these sinners to have access to Jesus. Matter of fact, they would have stopped him. So then who's the father? You see, if you're a parent... You see yourself as the father, don't you? You see yourself as the father. But let me tell you, in that day, no one in the hearing of this parable would have seen themselves as the father. And you shouldn't either. You see, God is the father, not you. God is the father, not you. We are not the father in the story. We're actually one of the prodigals. You have to get that in your head because we naturally move to, well, I'm the father and I'm just waiting. I'm going to deal with this prodigal. You're actually a prodigal. God is the father in the story. And it helps us see our role a little differently when we think of God as the father and we're just another prodigal trying to help other prodigals. You've got to get that in your mind as we move through the story. It's important to see who I am. I'm not the father. In fact, as we'll see, my goal is not to connect my child to me, but ultimately to connect him to the father. Went to my uh, high school reunion the other night and uh, talked to a man who has a, a son. He's estranged from him. He said, you know what? I would run after that child if he would just give me the chance. Um, we have to see that our goal is not to connect them to me, to connect them to the Father. That's what it's all about. Verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. You know, it's, it's amazing what the father can do. He brings into the life, even in an unseen way, he encounters some really rough times. See, when I trust the Father to do the heavy lifting, I'm saying, God, you bring into my child's life whatever is necessary for them to be drawn back to you. See, that's why there are earthquakes and hurricanes and disease, and that's why there are all the challenges of life are designed to bring us prodigals back to the Father. He has the ability to do things I would never have the ability to do. See, our role as parents is to what? It's to be the advisor, the interpreter of what's happening, if we're asked. We need to be the person, and we may be used by God to actually cut off them from some some financial assistance, to let God do what he needs to do. Don't get in the way of what God is doing. Let him be God. You be another prodigal trying to help a prodigal home. That's the goal. That's the goal. Verse 18. The prodigal says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Oh, doesn't every parent want to hear that? I mean, isn't that what you want? You're so longing to say, you know, Dad, I've been so wrong. I've messed up so bad. I I haven't shamed the family. I don't even belong to you. I don't even deserve to be able to sit at the table anymore. I I shouldn't even have your name. That's what most parents would long for their their child to say. I'm so sorry, Mom and Dad. But it's important to understand that the goal is not to get them to apologize to you. The goal is to get them to repent to the Father. See, it's not about us, it's about God. I can't save them, but He can. And I love this picture of this child responding to the Father. And and again, Jesus is picturing sinners far from God who are responding to the Father. We want them to repent to God, not to us. Our goal is to connect children to God, not to me. So I was at this reunion this week. I, I saw these people. I hadn't seen in, well, let's not say how long, but a long time. And I realized that over all these years, I didn't really have a connection with hardly anybody. But those connections I had in high school were important. They were important people had influence over me who... Hopefully, maybe I influence, but there was an end to that, and there was a time to get new influence and to connect to something new. So you as a parent have the role of establishing a connection with you, and we'll talk more about that next week as we talk about being actually a parent. But you have to move that connection from you and transfer it to God. That's really the goal of parenting, to know that your child has attached his allegiance and his life to Jesus Christ, not to you. Side note, 
if you're close to Jesus Christ, you'll get to be close to your repentant child as well. But your goal is not to connect them to you, but to connect them to the Father. Verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf to kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I mean, honestly, didn't you just for a moment want the father to go? It's about time you came home. That better never, ever, ever happen again. Didn't you just want to say that for a minute? I mean, didn't you just want to say, and you're going to repay every cent, and you're going to apologize to all of our neighbors that you, that you wronged, and you're going to re- apologize to all the times you disrespected me and your mom. Didn't you, didn't you just want to say that for just a minute? Oh, but that's not God. That's not the Father. See, when we begin to step into that role, we've stepped back into the God role. I love what God does. See, the Father here is a picture of God's welcoming His child home. When we repent, He simply welcomes us. He honors us. He puts the robe back on Him. The robe that signifies He's a part of this family. He puts the ring on his finger to say, you have authority of this family. You don't deserve it. But because he repented and came home, the father embraces him. That's just not how we are, is it? He welcomes the returning prodigal like a hero who's come home rather than someone who's brought shame on the family. See, that's just mind-boggling to us. That's not how we are. But that's how our God is. That's the grace that he has to offer us. I know what you're thinking. So what you're telling me is I just need to give whatever my kid wants and I let them go squander it on the world and every time they can just come back, say they're sorry and get more and go out. Be careful, you just became God again. That's what God does. Your role is to help them find their way to God. So your role as a parent might be to cut them off. It might be to advise them. It might be to encourage them. But it's not to be God, right? I'm going to trust God with that. I just got to help them find him. I got to help connect them to him. I got to help them interpret what God is doing in their lives. At this point, you might think that the story's over. And I really, for me, I kind of wish it was, because it's about to get to meddling in some sensitive areas. Verse 25. Now his older son, Steve, nothing is that in the original text? That's in the original text. Um, his, his older son um, was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. 
and refused to go in. His father came out and treated him. Now, side cultural note here, this is incredibly disrespectful for the older son to not come into a feast that his father has given. And that day, that was just like totally dissing your father publicly. Um, so he came out to talk to him. Here, the father again. What's the father doing? He's pursuing a son whose heart is not aligned with his. He comes out to entreat him in verse 29. He says, and he answers his father, look, these many, and his father, um, and his father says, look, he says to his father, sorry, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not this brother of mine, this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Listen to the heart of the son here. Listen, I've been good. I've kept the rules. I've been a good parent. I've been a good, I've been close to you. I've lived around you. I never did depart. I was right here beside you all the time. I didn't disobey you, but you never did anything for me. His heart's starting to be revealed right here, right now. See, his expectation was that God was going to pay him off or the father was going to pay him off with good deeds because he happened to hang around and do lip service to the heart of the father. But he didn't know the heart of the father, did he? He didn't understand the heart of the father was to seek that which was lost. Not only that, he wanted, he wanted his brother to be punished. He wanted the prodigal to be punished. You see, that's where we can get to. Beware of the tendency of trying to connect the prodigal son with you rather than with God. See, we're just the connection. We're just the one to try to help them connect. You see, we tend to always want to be the father. We want to be the judge. We wouldn't do it that way. But anytime we take the place of God, bad things happen. This is the root of the original sin in Genesis 3, isn't it? They saw that it was good. They wanted to be like God, and they took and they ate the fruit. We constantly try to take over this role of God and say, God, it's not fair. I've lived a good life, but all these pagan people are doing so much better. than." Wait a minute, did you not understand the heart of God and what the role of the world is right now? What's happening in the world right now is God is seeking the lost. And all that's going on are ways that God is seeking the lost that are far from Him. Some people say, well, people who are living like prodigals, they're having a great life. Listen, wealth and pleasure and fun and all that stuff is not necessarily a blessing. One of the scariest things in the world is to be comfortably separated from God. We need to be thankful for the famine thankful for the recession, thankful even for the illness that draws people to God. I believe COVID is bringing people to God today because they're recognizing, hey, listen, I'm not going to live forever. I'm not going to live forever. Am I ready for what's about to happen? Verse 31, the father responds, and this is how God is. He said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, but now he is found. 
Listen, we need to be ruthless as we deal with our heart concerning those who are far from God. And eliminate this idea that, God, I want to see them get theirs. I want to see them get punished. And honestly, if you're a parent of a prodigal, you've been hurt. And it's something inside of you that says they need to. God, I want them to come back. But God, I I want them to apologize. God, I want you to get them. I'm bitter. I'm sore. It's been painful. That's not really what you want. You want them to be connected to God. Even if they're not connected to you, even if it hurts, your heart is, I, I want them to know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It's not human to think that way, but it is a heart that's aligned with God, right? You see, what happens to us as parents sometimes is because we want them to have to be punished or apologize or whatever it is, we become a barrier to our kids actually coming to God. So important. Let God do that. Let God do that heavy lifting. You pray for them to come back to Him. So a couple things, a couple practical things I want to share. First of all, if, if you're still the prodigal, if you're in rebellion before our God right now, and you know what I mean, there's something in your life that you said, God, I'm just going to live this way. I'm going to be far from you. You're, you're prodigal number one. You said, I'm just going to wander away from you. Please return. The longer you're away, the more wreckage it's going to do to your family, future, or present. But if you're also the prodigal number two, the oldest son, and you've said, God, I just want these pagans to be punished, your heart is not, far, is not close to God either. And you need to turn from that and repent and say, God, I want these pagans to have you. That's what it means to love your neighbor with, as yourself, right? Because I want for them, I want for my neighbor the forgiveness that I've received. I, I want my, for my neighbor the joy that I have and the innocence that I have. That's my goal. Turn around if you've been a prodigal. Second, seek to know and live the heart of God. When you see a situation, when you see a lifestyle, when you see an activity, when you see someone, God, show me what you're doing there. Show me, I, I want to have my heart aligned with yours. I don't want to make it about me, and I don't want to be a barrier in any way. Third, keep reminding yourself, you are not the father. God is. There's things you're responsible for, and there's things that he's responsible for, but trust him to be God. You're not him. Now, if you have a prodigal, let me encourage you with this. It's important to become an asset rather than a liability. Here's what I mean. If every time that they call you, you remind them of their sin, they're not going to keep calling you, right? If every time they're around you, you're asking for more stuff from them and you're complaining why they didn't come and see you before, they're not going to come and see you. It turns out adults, young adults, actually don't have to do anything for you, with you, around you. They're actually free. You need to become an asset rather than a liability. Figure out how you can be a blessing in their life. Figure out how they can have a sense of joy when they're around you. Represent Jesus well. You see, people who are far from God are far from God. Quit, act, quit expecting them to act like they're close to God. They're not. 
You be Jesus and you be joyful around them. Be an asset, not a liability. Don't be something that they dread to be around. Oh my gosh, we got to go see mom and dad. We can talk about Jesus again. Oh man. All right, when they start talking about Jesus, all right, let's just start talking about politics. That'll change everything. You know, let, let, let's just, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about Jesus, but don't make Jesus a problem for them. It'd be better to represent Jesus and his joy and his desire for someone to be loved. That would be a lot better. You have to make yourself an asset, not a liability, if you want to have impact. Second, align your desires with God's desires for your child. I would love for my kids to live next door, I think. Wouldn't we? Yes, I think we would. But I'd much rather see them go out and do what God called them to do. Right? I would love for them to do certain things, but I don't know what God's telling them, and I'm trusting God to lead them and take them where they need to be. I would hate for them to stay with me and stay near me when, in fact, God wants to use them to reach the nations. Amen? But you're going to have to consciously and regularly remind yourself that I want what God wants for them. Because we think, as parents, typically, we think that what we want is what God wants. We're going to have to constantly recalibrate ourselves. God, is this what you would want? What do you want for me? What do you want for these children? How, where do you want them to be? What's my role in that? Constantly align your desires with God's desires. Three, pray constantly for wisdom. Oof. God, tell me how to handle this. How can I be a blessing? How can I be an asset? And pray for your child to become connected with the Father. Make that a constant part of your prayer life. God, I just want this for them. I would rather them be connected to you and be in Mongolia than be next door disconnected from you. I would rather them be connected to you than connected to me if there's a choice. Make that a part of your prayer life. And fourth, find a space for a relationship to exist and grow. And here's what I mean. Sometimes prodigals will do things that you just can't be around. Whether it's a lifestyle issue, sexual issue, uh, addiction issue. There's just, you just, I just can't be around that. I can't allow that in my home. Listen, find a place where you can be around it. It may be that you can only do coffee with them. It may be that you can only uh, go to lunch with them occasionally. It may find a place, a time, a way to connect with them. Sometimes, Kids will do things, you're like, I, can't, I just, I don't even want to see them. Well, you need to repent of that. Because I've done things that would make Jesus say, I don't want to see him. Amen? Find a way and a place to say, I, I just want to be with you. My dad used to always take us to breakfast, and uh, he lived in another city, and no matter when we were together, he would be taking us to breakfast. One time, it was a time to check in with dad. And he would look over the table. At some point, probably about mid-biscuit bite for me, you know, so you couldn't object. And he would say something like this. You know, Steve, consider. And when he said the word consider, what you knew he meant was, you're doing some stupid stuff. I don't want to call it stupid. Most intelligent people would call it stupid. But consider 
not being such an idiot. I mean, really, that's kind of what it feels like. But what he's saying is consider this. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You're a grown man. You have a family. Consider this. And it really was an act of love. You don't need, you don't need to tell them everything you believe at every setting, as tempting as that is, and as helpful as it would be. Amen? Maybe one thing out of love them to consider would be all you could expect to do it may not even be necessary but find a space a place a time a way for a relationship exist to exist because if you have no relationship you have no influence and to do that you may have to forgive them of stuff they'll never repent of and that's okay i'm grateful that jesus pursued me long before i repented remember you're not god You're not the Father. But you are someone who's just another prodigal that's returned to the Father who's helping others get there. Connect them to the Father. Now this morning, where are you? Where are you? Maybe you're grieving a prodigal even now. My prayer is for you to have wisdom, for you to be encouraged, For you to find a place where you can have a relationship, for you to be an asset, for you to have wisdom. More than anything, my prayer is that you've forgiven them. That you've forgiven them. And that you can have a way to be of influence. And you can be another prodigal helping them find Jesus. Return to Jesus. You know, we're all prodigals. There is no one without sin, no, not one. Even those of us who show up on Sunday morning and look like we got it all together, no one does. But we have a Father whose Son Jesus paid the price for our sin. I'm so grateful for that. He paid the price for my sin. He paid the price for my mistakes I've made with my children. This might be a great time to repent of the mistakes you made with yours. And if you're the prodigal, it's time to come home. Won't you come home today? There's a party getting ready to start in heaven. If you'll just come home, would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.